You're stupid too as I You're stupid too as I You'll never live You'll never die You're stupid too as I Welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute Podcast podcast where we analyze the Savage Steve Holland classic Better Off Dead one smutte minute at a time. I'm Jason Hummel from Mono Confidential. And I'm Curtis Blaze from thesacknews.com. Hey everybody, today we are analyzing, I guess that's how I chose to spell that, <laughs> Minute 41, which starts with the world's most negligent mail carrier delivering mail in Lane's neighborhood and ends with Dad pulling Lane aside and asking him if he can speak with him for a moment. Tell us all about this minute, Jason. It's a deal, Curtis. Last Friday, in minute 40, Lane decided to end his latest suicide attempt and work towards getting Beth back after all. As minute 41 begins, we see the mailman played by Taylor Negron walking up the street, listening to the Jimi Hendrix song, Foxy Lady, reading everyone's mail and dropping mail all over the place. At 40 minutes and 12 seconds, he arrives at the Meyer residence and rings the doorbell. A few seconds later... Badger answers the door. The mail carrier gives him some heat for ordering the book How to Pick Up Trashy Women, but eventually relinquishes the book to him. At 40 minutes and 33 seconds, the mailman again rings the doorbell. This time, Lane answers. The mailman asks for Lane's permission to date Beth. At 40 minutes and 50 seconds, Lane slams the door in the mailman's face and walks through the house in a fit of depression. Dad, who is in the living room, asks Lane to sit down and speak with him. In his hands is a book entitled Youth and the Drug Explosion. Thus the minute ends. The mailman ends up dropping every single thing he's carrying. I don't know if you've looked at this minute recently. Yes. Every single letter drops. Every single one. He is empty-handed except for how to pick up trashy women when he gets to the Myers door. Yeah, it must be priority mail. (laughs) Priority smut mail. (laughs) Priority smut. How to Pick Up Trashy Women. Do we need a book on that? Hmm. Do you have any trashy women experience? Woman. Trashy woman experience. <laughs> I guess it could be plural. I don't really know your history. Well, um, kind of, but I actually kind of avoided the situation. Oh, I'm, I just, like, take a bath. Like, I just, like, like a pile of leaves just, just rolling around in trashy women all my life until I met my current wife. <laughs> It's all I did. Like I was a cat in a trashy woman litter box. Just kicking it up. <laughs> well, with me, it was, it was kind of a... I got a vibe from her, like, I don't want to be involved with this person kind of thing. I, I, ha- I had that sense immediately. And, of course, then after she left, uh, somebody that I knew says, you know who that was, don't you? So apparently she had a rep. A rep? Yeah. Well, Badger's only eight. He hasn't got a rep yet. But yeah, you, you would think, you know, what are the requisites? Um, being a band, maybe? Oh, you're going into how to do it. Yeah. All right, let's get started. <laughs> being a band? That would be, like, I think, highly effective. <laughs> if, if you could actually pull it off. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you actually have to be necessarily in a good band or be good. You know, I mean, I'm sure Nickelback gets groupies, you know? Do we even count them as a band? Yeah, it's kind of iffy, yeah. I don't want to get into politics. (laughs) I don't want a big Nickelback discussion. (laughs) They're a very polarizing group. Badger is eight. 
We determined eight, yes? Yes. No, no, seven. Seven. He is seven. Because Lane says you're almost eight. He is a first grader. Yes. He's a first grader. And it's not just that he's getting smut. It's that he's getting... Instructional smut. Manipulative smut. Yeah. Or instructions, really. How to. It's going to be along the lines of the art of seduction. Yeah. And the prince... The 48 Laws of Power, et cetera, et cetera. Very Machiavellian. Uh... How to manipulate women at age seven. <laughs> yeah, and you'd think he'd still be in the girls have cooties phase of his development. Although, looking back to that age, I don't think I ever went through that phase. I was always kind of fascinated by girls. I had sort of a girlfriend when I was seven. Yeah? I mean, I don't know why that came out that way. <laughs> I guess because we weren't having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Sort of a girlfriend. Yeah, you weren't living in a Larry Clark movie. <laughs> well, he gets quite a few. I mean, this works so consistently. We haven't figured out the days yet, and we're not up to that many yet. But I'm, I look forward to finding out how long it takes him to go from receiving the book to having a room full of trashy women. Well, we know... It's uh, New Year's night, right? New Year's, yeah. So we don't actually know how, how long it is between Christmas Day and now. Yeah, because there's, there's a little bit of a jump. Yeah, There is. Does it jump right to New Year's Eve day? Is this New Year's Eve day? Is it tonight that he goes to pick up the, uh, the girl? Hmm. The partner? Well, let's figure it out oh, when we uh, get there. Joanne Greenwald. <laughs> we shall see. We, we shall see. Taylor Negron, I hear you're a big fan. Oh, yeah. Tell me about him. He was a stand-up comic in the 80s. Um, That's where I recognized him from. Yeah. And he was in a lot of uh, iconic 80s movies. Like, uh, he was the pizza guy in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was... Uh... <laughs> oh, wait. I'm just going to stop you. Yeah. Why is the pizza guy notable for Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Because he delivers the pizza to class. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. He's that guy. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And he was in the Rodney Dangerfield movie, Easy Money, where he delivers the immortal line, I'm so bad, I should be in detention. That made it into the Beastie Boys song? No, to the uh, Anthrax song? Anthrax song, yeah. That was him? Yep. Wow, I've been repeating his line for 40 years. Yeah, he got to date Jennifer Jason Lee in that movie. <gasps> oh, I thought you were going to say in real life because you used her name. <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yep. Was he the one that kind of, did she get raped in that movie? No, no, she uh, she went out with a guy in his 20s, and that was her first, and it was, no, it was Damone that got her pregnant. Okay. After about... Oh, that's right, okay. After about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it was really bad sex. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the guy with all the advice about women <laughs> burned up on the launch pad. Isn't that weird? You know, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. And I think of that guy as this sleazy older man, but like, yeah, he was in his 20s. He was yeah. like 25. Yeah. He was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Taylor was also in Nothing But Trouble. Okay, what's Nothing But Trouble? <laughs> Nothing But Trouble was a uh, SNL movie. Well, it had SNL alums and it. It, had, it was Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase, but... <gasps> I think the... Aliens Minute people were just talking about this this morning. Oh, yeah? Was was this like the same time period as... Oh, God. Okay, well, tell me more about it. Demi Moore is the female lead. 
um, John Candy was in it as a cop. It's basically these yuppies get stranded in a small town that operates on the feudal system, like the medieval feudal law. Nodding along <laughs> on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see, folks, but he's nodding emphatically. <laughs> um, Digital Underground is in it. Is that a band? Yeah, the Humpty Dance guy. Wait, what year? A, 80, 89-ish, I want to say. So the Humpty Dance was already something we had the chance to do in 1989? Yes. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that's how they ended up in the movie. And I think Tupac was actually part of their group at that point. Did he have the big fake nose? Yeah. Yeah, he had that, like, Groucho Marx fake nose happening. So that was his thing then, and that was in the movie? Yeah. Okay. What else is uh, Taylor Negron all about? Is he live? No. He passed away. Passed away a few years ago, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What did he, uh, what was he, what was he doing when he passed away? I don't mean, like, you know, did he have a rope around his neck and he was choking? What I mean to say is, like, career-wise, what was he up to at the time of his death? I don't know. I think he was still probably getting small parts in movies, uh, I hadn't seen him in anything major since uh, Nothing But Trouble. That was probably the biggest role he had. Was there kind of jump-the-shark moment for the guy? Or did he just stop working? I don't think so. I mean, he was always pretty rock-solid as far as performance and everything. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I've never seen him in anything that he wasn't good. But it seems like I've only seen him in things and he was bit parts. Yeah, yeah. A little here, a little there. I have no memory of the guy's stand-up. Like, what was his thing? You know, Bobcat was a screamer. Sam Kinison was a screamer. Was he a screamer? Was that no, <laughs> late, late no. 80s thing? No, he had, he had a very mellow um, delivery. Just the way he talks, like in Better Off Dead. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to actually remember his stand-up. It's been ages. But I, I remember one line where he says, I want to find a Hindu child and raise him as a Muslim. This couple, as the minute begins, is a lot of fun. Walking arm in arm down the street. Yeah, the lovebirds. There's a word for that walking arm in arm thing. Have you ever... God, that never works out. When my wife and I try to walk arm in arm like that, it's just a disaster. One of us is tripping, or one of us is pushing <laughs> the other one towards the curb. Not, not good. You almost need to have two of your middle legs tied together for that to work out. <laughs> like a sack race. And you can see it here in this minute, too, where... They're only making it like five steps before they're before they're a complete disaster. <laughs> you can see it's starting to go wrong, you know. You can imagine their legs starting to cross in front of each other like the monkeys. Oh, and attempting to have a dog along while you're doing it. Yeah, that's just courting disaster right there. So Greendale, uh, I forget where this house was filmed. Was this the one in in Los Angeles? I think it was. I think so. How cold do you think they're trying to depict in the movie? The mail carrier, Tyler, has his full long-sleeve coat on with his long-sleeve shirt. The couple walking along has, like, the sweater, but yeah. also the dress. Yeah. Not bundled. No coats. Right. Lane is just in a t-shirt when he answers the door, as is Badger. But this is California. So it could be, it could be as high as 65, and they would be in sweaters, thinking, <laughs> thinking it's freezing. Yeah. Just a thought. As a Midwesterner. It's always throwing me off when I watch this movie because it's like, oh, yeah, this is... I don't know if I just realized it as we were doing this project, but I don't think it ever occurred to me that that was a New Year's dance. I mean, I always knew there was like a Christmas scene 
and that there was a bow and that there was Christmas music, but I don't think it ever really, you know, kind of like the Harry Potter movies where it just jumps in time, like, oh, it's the fall supper, now it's Christmas, now it's spring. I was thinking like spring dance. I'm pretty, I'm convinced I think it was, before this watching, I think it was the spring, I think I thought it was the spring dance or something at the end of the school year. <laughs> the time compression in this movie has screwed me up. I never realized it was there. And it's just as I'm doing this project where I'm realizing that, you know, this is four or five suicide attempts in the span of like a week and not over just the course of a school year as he slowly recovers from from uh, breaking up with Beth and, and gets into this new relationship. Yeah, I mean, it, it all just flows so naturally that you don't really pay attention to it unless you're really scrutinizing it like us. What, like minute by minute? Yeah. Who would do that? Who would yeah. do such a thing? Who would be crazy enough to do that? But yeah, and the real indication, the only indication you get that it's the New Year's dance is Lane says Happy New Year to Badger. Right. And the trashy women. Well... Okay, yes. Other than that, though, there was nothing. There was no, like, big countdown to midnight. No. There was the New Year's Baby uh, set pieces. Yeah, there was the New Year's Baby set pieces. Which we had to figure out. (laughs) We're like, what is that thing? Well, thanks for blowing that minute. (laughs) I guess we got nothing to talk about there now. Oops. Where are we in time? We're in a time warp. Okay, Lane's house. I want to talk about the architecture here. The Not the architecture, but the 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 layout. layout. You go in his front door. Off to the left is the living room, yes? Yeah. Off to the right is the dining room. Mm-hmm. You go straight, and you come into, like, the sort of kitchen. Yeah. But you can also go around the dining room to the right and go into the kitchen from that way. Two different doors. Right. Okay. Is there anything else on the ground floor? Dining room, living room, kitchen. That it? Hmm. This is a big layout of a house. This is a great big wide-winged house. Yeah. And it's not like the dining room is huge. And it's not like the living room is huge. No. And the way they're oriented compared to the doors, they're going back, not out to the side. Hmm. Yet there's a lot of going out to the side going on in this house from the front. Now, I understand the reality of shooting is that they have an exterior they're using. Yeah. And we're not supposed to look at it minute by minute and try and figure out, like, how hey, how come there's only one window there instead of two? <laughs> But still, for a rich lawyer, well, I'm assuming rich, in the 80s, lawyer, he's a partner. He's a partner, they're living in the suburbs. So he's probably not poor, although it's California, so, you know, $200,000 a year is not going that far. $150,000 a year, not going that far. Yeah. But still, kitchen, living room, dining room, that's it. And then bedrooms upstairs. There's no den. You would expect a den. Yeah. Is there a den back there? Okay. Is there a den we don't see, perhaps? Do you go underneath? Do you go straight in the front door and keep going back, and you end up in a den? He seems like he'd be a den kind of dad. Right? Okay, so here's my evidence for that. At the beginning of the movie, Lane comes out. uh, Dad goes to the bottom of the steps and yells up to Lane, hey, you're going to be late, or whatever. He yells something. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen this movie in a while. Um, uh, the door can be closed as well as it can be opened. I That's think is right. What says. Right, right. And then Lane surprises him by coming up behind him with a handful of skis. <laughs> Jabbing him in the tuchus. Right, right. Those skis weren't in the kitchen. No. So those skis were perhaps in the den? Perhaps in a storage area? Like maybe off the den there's a place where they keep all their crap? Yeah. Or there's a... Like, there's the crap storage. I mean, he has a walk... I mean, the dude has a walk-in closet of his own upstairs in his room. Yeah. 
He isn't sharing that walk-in closet with anyone else. It's a giant walk-in closet. It's a Kubrickian closet. So... It isn't just Lane that has the walk-in closet. It isn't just Dad. You know, we should just take measurements of this house <laughs> and find out exactly what the footprint is. I, I'm not giving away the fact that I'm a planning and zoning guy in real life, am I? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm curious about that. Now I want to draw a map of the house. I think it's long past time that this is done, that this question is finally answered. How big is their house? And by the way, what's with the steps? From the dining room behind them, the steps are going up, up and to the right. You see them like, like if you look through the door, the steps are going up on the back wall, yep. right? Yep. But from the front door, the steps are also going up and to the right. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Up and to the right instead of back and to the left. <laughs> That's weird, right? Hold on. Okay, I figured it out. Minute 41, second 20. You can see behind Badger. As he's talking to the mailman about his book on how to pick up trashy women. The steps go up and to the right from the perspective of where the dining room would be. And they also go up and to the right from the perspective of the front door because they hit a landing and turn right. And then the T set would be right inside the door right there. The back, you know, like facing out towards the door. Yeah. And then the, the door to the alleged den would be right next to that where Lane came out with the skis. Yeah. Okay, got it. So I guess this set is holding up internally. Internally, we've got some logic going on with this set that's working. Yeah. Way to go, Steve. <laughs> I like the way this, guy's make, this guy makes movies. So I don't know if you noticed it. You see the pattern on the door? Did you notice that? Yeah, that almost looks like a Star of David. Is that like the most 80s pattern ever? This is literally the pattern rendered in sort of a pea green um, that my mom had on her kitchen cabinets. Did you have this pattern in your life? Nope. Hmm. But I saw it uh, a lot in movies. I think it was very much of the time period. I don't know what it's called. Would have been 70s or 60s. Yeah. Very Brady. <laughs> a very Brady window. A, a, a very Brady beveled window. Beveling? Is that Is, right? I don't know. Bevel, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, if you can't see, the, see through the glass, I th assume it's beveled. <laughs> I just love that word. That's it. I am now looking that up to find out if that's what it's actually called. It's like, I just love saying that word. It's like, dude, I went out last night and got totally beveled. Is beveling a thing? And is Jason right about it? Question mark. Of course I am. So this this trope where you ask someone's permission to date their ex. Yeah. Is that just this movie? No, but it's a it's a very old fashioned custom. Why would you do that? Is it because you're friends with the person and you don't want them to be mad, but you also want to have sex with their ex girlfriend? Basically it's like like a like a courtesy or like a seeing them make sure they won't come after you. What if they say no? Nobody's allowed. She's done. <laughs> yeah. If, Jason, if, can, if, I, can I date your ex-girlfriend? <laughs> I, know, I know we've only been friends for just a short time, a couple decades most. <laughs> and I've known Jenny for the same amount of time because I was attracted to her originally. That's how I met you. Um, 
would it be okay now that you're divorced if I, you know, did a little of the in and out with her? <laughs> ah, sure. What the hell? <laughs> that has the potential to go really, really wrong. <laughs> I would just say no to anyone that asked me. Just to be a dick. Yeah. It would depend on how you left it, you know, if, if it was amicable or if it was messy, I think, the relationship. Well, and what I love is that, okay, so we're establishing this time frame that it's only been a couple of days. Yeah. It's only been a couple of days. Yeah. And the sharks are circling. <laughs> it's like blood in the water. Yeah, you, you get the feeling that they've been waiting for her to be free for like the whole six months. Beth is hot stuff. Most definitely. <laughs> this just seems like a good way to get punched in the face to me. <laughs> cruising for a bruising. Well, that's all I got for this episode. Unless you want to talk about youth and the drug explosion. Although I think we'll deal with that more in the next minute. Yeah, the next minute is more in-depth with that. Youth and the drug explosion. Well, I guess we'll leave you with that. Yes. Uh, this is the usual. Once again, we just want to thank everyone for listening. We love, we love the downloads. We love the views. It's it's gratifying to know that we're not just talking into the ether. Yeah. In those cold, long, dark days of the first week when it was three of us listening and two of us were us. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was Jason's mom. Uh, you can text us at 712-830-7373. And we'll, you know, if you really want to help us, if you like our show, Jason, what can they do? They can uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Wait, is iTunes the same as... SoundCloud? <gasps> Even you don't know! The answer is no, it is not. We love the comments we get, and we love the reviews that we're getting at, uh, at SoundCloud. But if you could, just take just a second to go transfer that over to iTunes for us so that we can really rock out our show. Tomorrow we're going to be doing Minute 42, and we will talking about... 42? I know, right? Yeah. We'll have to do something special. We will be talking about youth and the drug explosion. Drug explosion. Explosion. Tomorrow. Uh, that's it. I'm Curtis. And I'm Jason. Good night. <laughs>